The following sermon is by Dr. Josh Scally, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Josh. Please open your Bible to Luke chapter 1, or if you have a pew Bible today, page 1017, as we continue focusing our worship on the promise of Christmas. The Gospel of Luke gives us first century witness to the supernatural birth of Jesus. And in that moment, the eternal invaded the temporal. And what was impossible, God made possible. So there is much reason for us to look into Luke 1 with wonder and joy. Joy and rejoice are used throughout Luke 1 and Luke 2. And so I've titled today's sermon, Reason to Rejoice at Christmas. And this will be a brief sermon, and I'll bring out three reasons that are in Luke 1 for us to rejoice at Christmas. Here's reason number one. Rejoice, God is faithful. Rejoice, God is faithful. In Luke 1, we see many reasons for that. Have you ever had a good thing that you've prayed for that you felt like, well, it's too late now? It's never going to happen. Surely the window is closed. Such was the case with Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke 1. We read about them that they were believers in God. In fact, we read that they were very godly believers. They walked close with the Lord, and yet they were barren, though they had prayed much for a child. Like Abraham and Sarah, they're advanced in years, and there seems to be no hope that the thing they had prayed for would ever come to be. And yet God, faithful to His promise, fulfilled His promise through their prayers. I want to show you how amazing that is in Luke chapter 1, both Zechariah and Elizabeth are from priestly families. Zechariah is from the division of Abijah, and Elizabeth is from the division of Aaron. So Zechariah, by profession, is a priest. And if you belong to the division of Abijah, to that tribe, then there was a lot that would happen two times a year. A lot is a little bit like dice to us. So twice a year, for one week, a lot would be cast. And if you were of the division of Abijah as Zechariah was, and the lot landed on you, then you would have the opportunity to enter the Holy of Holies to burn incense to the Lord. You can only do this once in your life. Now, there were hundreds and hundreds of priests just within that one subdivision, and so most people never had this opportunity. It never happened to them. And yet, this particular year, the lot landed on Zechariah. Do you think that was an accident? (laughs) Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. The lot lands on Zechariah this particular year, and he then has the privilege of entering the holy place to offer incense to the Lord. And in that place where he is alone, God sends the angel Gabriel. And the angel Gabriel, if you're in Luke 1, look down in verse 12. Verse 11, excuse me. And there appeared to him, to Zechariah, an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And notice verse 12. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. 
And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you should call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Sometimes God is so good that we struggle to believe it's true. Zechariah thought this is too good to be true. So look in verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man. I didn't make that up. That's what he said. And my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to you to speak to you and bring you this good news. But behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. I love that. God is faithful. He's going to do what He said. Even if you fail to believe, He's going to do what He said. God fulfills His Word even when we doubt. And yet Luke 1 doesn't promise just one amazing birth. It promises an even more amazing birth. So the same angel, Gabriel, comes a second time. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee. We heard much of this before. The angel comes to Mary. Look in verse 28. He said, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. Now, that's what Zechariah was too. They're both troubled, but that's all they have in common. Verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. See, God is fulfilling the promise he made centuries before to David. He will reign over the house of Jacob, and of his kingdom of the Christ there will be no end. Now, of course, Mary would be in shock. And so in verse 34, she said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And he answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. My favorite verse, verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now don't miss what we read already. Zechariah hears from God through the angel Gabriel, You and your wife will have a child, though you're both advanced in age. And he can't believe that. Mary hears that she'll have a child, though she's never been with a man. That's a much harder promise to believe. Notice how she responds in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Elizabeth who knew well (laughs) that you need to trust God's promise, went to visit her. Look in verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. Notice verse 44. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Point of Luke 1 is to contrast the doubts of Zechariah with the trust of Mary to remind us through both that in either case, God remains faithful. 
God is faithful. And His faithfulness is based on His promise. Mary will note this specifically. Look down in verse 55 of when she speaks later. She says, As He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring, and by the end of Luke 1, God straightens even Zechariah out. And he says the same thing. Look in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Why? Verse 69. He raised up a horn of salvation in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from old. Notice verse 72. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. At that point, they all realized God is being faithful to what he promised he would do. So rejoice at Christmas. God is faithful. Did you know that God never fails? Did you know that God is never late? God never misses a detail. God never over or under estimates anything. God perfectly fulfills every promise He has ever made. And we know this most completely through His Son Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, The Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is proclaimed to you, verse 20, all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. And then Paul says this, That is why it is through Him that we utter our Amen for God's glory. Have you ever prayed in Jesus' name? Do you know what it means when you're doing that? It means lots of things. It means you're saying there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. It means you're saying there's only one way to God, John 14.6, and it's through Jesus. It means you're saying that you come to God through faith in Jesus, but it also means, according to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, that when we say in Jesus' name, we're saying, yes, God, you will do what you said. God is faithful. But speaking of Zechariah, straightening out, Not only number one is God faithful, but number two, rejoice, God makes great reversals. In Luke 1, we see that Zechariah and Elizabeth go from barrenness to having a baby. But we also see that Zechariah, even though he disbelieved, goes from being silent to exclaiming God's praise. I love in Zechariah 1, would you look in verse 59? On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. This is John, John the Baptist. They would have called him Zachariah after his father, but his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives are called by that name. Verse 62, they made signs to his father. I love that. They thought that because he couldn't speak, he was also deaf, and so they're writing on signs for him. Verse 63, and then Zechariah asked for a writing tablet and wrote, Oh, this is so great. His name is John. And they all wondered, and look at verse 64, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. God works great reversals from barrenness to birth and from hearts that doubt to hearts that sing his praise. But not only does God work a reversal in Zechariah and Elizabeth, but Mary, when she speaks, tells us that that's endemic to God's character. Now, just a quick historical tidbit. We, in the Western civilization of the world, had only a Bible in Latin for about a thousand years. And so there are many loan words we have from Latin. One of them is Mary's Magnificat. 
Magnificat is Latin to glorify, but you understand it in English because you've used a magnifying glass. If you've ever seen someone get a diamond ring because they're engaged, hopefully you don't need a magnifying glass, but if you do, (laughs) it causes it to radiate more resplendently. It shows what's already there, but in more glory. Now, this is the first of three Latin songs. There's Mary, there's Zachariah, there's Simeon. They all have neat Latin names. But the first one, Mary's Magnificat, is meant to magnify the greatness of God. Now look at it with me. Luke 1, verse 46. And this is where we're going to really focus our time. I know I've had you bounce around a bit. But Luke 1, 46 through 56 is our focus. Luke 1, verse 46. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And now she's going to show what God does that makes him so wonderful. And what God does is he makes great reversals. Look in verse 48. He's looked on the humblest state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Is that not true? Mary goes from unknown to globally known. Verse 49. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Because God is the God who makes reversals. Look in verse 50. His mercy is for those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has shown strength with His arm. He's scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich He sent away empty. What Mary is exclaiming in song is a fulfillment of God's character through the Christ. Through the Christ, all injustice will be reversed. Did you know that through Jesus, all wrongs will be made right? And all tears will turn to joy. You see, through the Christ... We can sing as Isaac Watts wrote, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. You say that hasn't happened yet. Well, that's because He's coming back. (laughs) But we know it will be fulfilled because He first came. Mary's song is telling us that when the Messiah comes, He will reverse the curse and all injustice will be dealt with. Let me remind you this morning that one day the meek will inherit the earth and the proud will be abased. The wicked will perish. The evil one will lose. And Jesus Christ will reign forever and ever. See, the next time you feel like, man... Things don't look like they're going well. Remember, God has the last word, and it's through His Son. He will reverse the curse. Even the most callous skeptics have sparks of hope at Christmas because they should. Because Christmas gives us a window into the full fulfillment of God's great promise. God makes great reversals. But number one, rejoice, God is faithful. Number two, rejoice, God makes great reversals. But now there's a third and most important reason that we should rejoice. Rejoice, number three, because God saves sinners. Zechariah, when he finally speaks, this is what he brings out. Look in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He's visited and redeemed His people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Now look in verse 76. This is Zechariah talking about his son John. And you, John, my child, 
will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. Don't you remember what Mary said? Look in Luke 1, verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The angels will say it this way in chapter 2 when they speak to the shepherds. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Remember how the angel says it to Joseph. You will, your Mary will bear a son and you need to call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Listen carefully. At Christmas, feel all the good warm feelings. If you can stand it, watch a Hallmark movie. (laughs) Whatever your thing is. But don't forget what Christmas is about. It's about the baby who grows up to go to the cross. And he bleeds for our sin. And then he rises victoriously. You see, Christmas has to be about what everybody in Luke 1 and 2 knew it was about. That this Christ has come to deal with our sin. Now, we need to pause on that. That means that every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us. You know that's why Jesus is born supernaturally. Had he inherited normal progeneration, then he would have been born a sinner like us. In sin, my mother conceived me, wrote David in Psalm 54. But not Jesus. He's the sinless one the innocent one, and the only one who can say he's never sinned. All of us are sinners. That means all of us need a Savior, and it can't be any one of us. It has to be the sinless one. And that means that only Jesus saves. Now, many passages make that explicit. John 14, 6, when Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father but through me. But even if you didn't know those passages, just stop and think logically for a second. Would it make sense for the eternal Son of God, the Word, to become flesh and dwell among us and live perfectly and go to a cross and die and rise if there was some other way? There is no other way. But praise God, he made a way through his son, Jesus. And that's why the angels rejoice. Christmas means that sinners can be made right with God and were made right with God through one person, his son, Jesus. Now, Mary is sometimes thought wrongly as a co-redemptrix or another mediator. But notice how the angels speak to her. Look in verse 28. The angel said to her, greetings, O favored one. That means she was given grace. Verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Favor means you did not deserve this, but it's been granted to you. And notice how Mary responded herself in verse 47. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You know that song, Mary, did you know? It's one of our favorites to sing at this time of year. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy had come to make you new? Did you know this child you deliver would soon deliver you? I believe the answer clearly from the Bible is yes, she knew. Her faith is in her own son. 
because she understands her son is the supernatural son. See, Mary says something that I think we lose a little bit in English, so if you, if you don't mind, I'm going to dig in a little bit to the language. Look in verse 50. Of the middle of her song, her Magnifica, and his mercy is upon generation and generation to those who fear him. Look down in verse 55 and 54. He has given help to Israel in remembrance of his mercy. There's a Hebrew word that's very hard to translate into any other language because it has a lot of concepts in it. And the Hebrew word is kesed. But mercy is the best way to capture it. So what is this teenage Mary doing in her song? She's dipping into and alluding to tons of Old Testament scriptures that point to God's kesed, God's saving, loyal, undeserved grace availed to those to whom he covenants. As she says in verse 50, God has mercy towards those who fear him. So what did Mary know? Mary knew that God is faithful. Mary knew that God makes great reversals. Mary knew that God saves. Mary knew that judgment and salvation had come in Jesus. Verse 51, Mary alludes to Exodus when she writes, He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. If you know the Bible, you know that when we read that phrase, the mighty arm of the Lord scattering his enemies, it refers to the Exodus. See, the coming of Christ means two things, and we have to talk about them both. It means that God certainly will save, but it also means that all who reject his Son will certainly be judged. The coming of the Christ makes clear God will fulfill all his promises. And he offers saving grace to those who fear him. But make no mistake, those who reject his son will perish. So this morning, rejoice that God is faithful. Rejoice that God works great reversals. But be certain that that reversal includes your own salvation as you humble yourself before the Lord so that he may exalt you. As you have fear in God rather than faith in yourself. So at Luke 1 and Luke 2, let us follow what Mary herself does. Let us admit that we need a Savior, (laughs) thereby admitting that we are a sinner. Let us rejoice that the promised Son has come, not merely as a baby, but growing into a man, a man who will willingly go to the cross to deal with the sins that separate us from the Heavenly Father, and the Son who will rise victoriously and invite us to the Father through Him in saving faith. Let us confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And wherever you're at this morning, at Christmas especially, praise God that He's faithful. Praise God that He will reverse the curse and rejoice that He saves sinners. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you have sent your eternal son and that your eternal son willingly came. As the scriptures say, I've come to do your will, O God. And in his accomplishment of your will, he provides salvation for all of us because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God.
And there is salvation in no other name under heaven given among men. We must be saved through coming to faith in Jesus. But Lord, thank you that even those of us who doubt, you have mercy and patience on. Perhaps someone today has been like Zechariah, and in the past they've heard a simple gospel illustration, and they thought, I doubt that's true. Maybe today you open their mouth and they speak, Jesus Christ is Lord. Perhaps someone today is hearing the news like Mary, and it sounds really different than anything they've heard, but maybe you're able to help them realize nothing is impossible with God. So Lord, thank you for the fact that you are faithful and you never fail to keep your promise. Thank you that you will reverse the curse and the proud will be abased, but the humble will receive your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you will save any one of us, no matter who we are or how far we think we are from God, because Jesus came to bring us back to you. Thank you for your faithfulness through him. And may he be glorified in this season. In his name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Josh Scally pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. For more information and free access to other messages, go to ebcraleigh.com. That's ebcraleigh.com.